0: You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell. I could be moving from my office to being one of those absolute degenerates that
1: smells like moldy cheese and death.
0: And national recruiting analyst, Adam Gourney.
1: Grover isn't around as much, but uh, Oscar the Grouch is still around a lot. El- Elmo has taken a prominent role. I mean, he's like
2: the main character. That's right, welcome to another edition of the Godfather and Gorney Podcast. My name is Dave Barry, and I'm joined by the stars of the show, Mike Farrell out on the East Coast and Adam Gorney here on the West Coast. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Guys, this is our 50th episode, so it's something to be excited about.
0: Yeah, that is exciting. Yay.
2: That's exciting, Dave. we got one episode for every <laughs> one episode for every year Mike Farrell has worked at Rivals.com, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> we've got one episode for every
0: listener we get every week.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's even better. All right, well, Mike, I'll let you uh, jump right into it. Then we had a lot of commitments um, over the past week, so I'll let you uh, start with that and, and we'll get into the rundown.
0: Yeah, I think there were like 81 Power 5 commitments over the last week, which is ridiculous. And usually, you know, late July and August, you don't see a big rush like this, so I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, I broke them down a little bit, so I'm going to throw out names here. Gorney, I don't know if you know a lot about some of these guys, but some of them are West Coast guys. But Bryce Young is certainly a West Coast guy. He's probably the biggest name commitment, even though he's a 2020, because he's a quarterback, and he was the only quarterback of note to commit this past week. Going to USC despite JT Daniels, why, Gorney?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it this way, JT Daniels uh, will start as a freshman, sophomore, and junior. Bryce Young has two years of high school left. So Bryce Young will redshirt or just sit behind JT Daniels for one year and then have an opportunity to go in and get the starting job, which is it's perfect timing. So, you know, you think about these 2020 commits, they still have two years of high school left. So um, I think the interesting thing with Bryce Young was that USC really didn't come hard after DJ Wagalele, the number one player in the country. Bryce Young was priority number one for them and they got him. Uh, it seemed like Oklahoma, Bryce Young was priority number one for Oklahoma as well and now, after Bryce Young committed to USC, Oklahoma offers Wagalele, and he's interested in visiting there uh, during the season. So, um, but he's not going to offered... go to
0: Oklahoma. I mean, Bryce Young would have been more likely to go to Oklahoma.
1: Right, yeah. Much more fits his style. I think Oregon and Clemson are the two teams to beat for Wagalele, who looks like Ben Roethlisberger right now. He's a great player, fantastic offseason, should be phenomenal this year, surrounded by a lot of top uh, receivers. But Bryce Young to USC. Oklahoma gave everything they had. And, uh, you know, Southern California kids just still want to go to USC. Not
0: a prototypical USC quarterback at all. Not even close. No, not at all. Seems like a better fit in Oklahoma's system.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, the Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Spencer Rattler, I mean, it makes sense that Bryce Young would follow suit because he's very similar in the sense that he is a pocket passer. He likes to stay, but he can move around, kind of prolong plays, run if needed, those kinds of things. Um, so USC is definitely going to have to adjust because Bryce Young is not an under-the-center play-action type quarterback. He's much more of a shotgun guy, but so is JT Daniels in a way. JT Daniels did uh, shotgun his entire career at modern day. He can be an under-the-center guy, but um, I think they're going to have to adjust their offense a little bit. They have the the skill players to do it. Tyler Vons, Michael Pittman, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Stephen Carr. They have the the, the players to do kind of whatever they want to do on offense. So I still think it'll be a pro-style look, but with a lot more shotgun stuff and a lot more you know, run-pass option stuff. So there'll be some some new wrinkles sprinkled in there.
0: Uh, a couple of other highly, highly ranked guys that just committed. Andrew Booth committed to Clemson today, a very, very good cornerback. I think he's going to be a lockdown guy there. Continues their tradition of, of recruiting uh, elite athletic corners with good length. Um, that's a huge commitment. Trayvon Walker committed to Georgia this past week. Um, so now you're talking about Nolan Smith and Trayvon Walker as a one-two punch there. Trayvon Walker can play defensive end or defensive tackle. He's that perfect guy where, you know, let, let him grow into a D-tackle if he does. If he doesn't, let him stay at defensive end and uh, he, he is very good as a pass rusher but also extremely good against the run. Um, so Clemson in Georgia, you know, the rich getting richer. USC, I mentioned with Bryce Young, the rich getting richer there. Stanford, Stephen Heron was an interesting one. Um,
1: Can you believe that was in the last week? It feels like that happened a month yeah, ago. Yeah, I know, I was... <laughs> but that's because there
0: were 81 commitments in the last week. It's unbelievable. But uh, Stephen Heron uh, flipping, the old flip flipper rooney Going to Stanford, obviously, academics had something to do with that. Um, You know, you and I both feel his best years are ahead of him. Um, You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, We we unfortunately got to see him at the five-star challenge play inside a lot, and that is not where he belongs. He's definitely an outside Mm -hmm. pass rusher. But they've got a good recent tradition of putting out some guys that can get after the passer from the outside. So... uh, you know, watch him develop at Stanford, and that was a big one for them.
1: Yeah, definitely, and, and Michigan academics isn't exactly chopped no. liver, so I don't know how much of a factor that played into it. Turning down Stanford for a lot of kids is very tough. I mean, it's just, you know, kind of everything you'd want in a program. It was interesting, though, because, you know, he had been a longtime commit. He's kind of a local kid being from Kentucky to back off of Michigan when he did to go to Stanford does, you know, speak highly of Stanford, maybe a little poorly of Michigan being able to keep that kid. Um, but, yeah, at the five-star challenge, he was kind of an enigma, um, kind of the same kid we saw last year uh, and, and unfairly had to do a lot of inside stuff when he is uh, an outside pass rusher, could stand up and move around a little bit, that kind of that kind of guy. So uh, definitely a big one for Stanford there.
0: Yeah, I think he's a guy who's better also in games than he is in camp settings, and we've seen that a lot. Um, yeah, <clears throat> So, you know, that's a big commitment for them. Brendan Gantt going to Florida State, keeping that recent Florida State defensive back recruiting re- reputation going. I mean, I think they've recruited as well as anybody at defensive back, and that includes LSU, that includes Florida, and some of the other programs that claim to be DBU. I think they've done a better job in recent years, at least the last four or five years, going back to Jalen Ramsey recruiting uh, defensive backs, whether they be safeties with Derwin James or cornerbacks, even Levante Taylor, guys like that. Joseph, let me see if I'm going to screw this name up. Is it, is it Ngata?
1: Joseph Nagada. N- yep. Nagata. So I said Yeah. So it's Nagada. Now that's a, that's a kid who I think, if you watch his film, is arguably one of the best wide receiver films in the country, and Clemson made him a huge priority and got him all the way across the country. He has a brother, Daniel, in the 2020 class who could follow him to Clemson. That could be a pipeline into Northern California, much like Alabama's made a pipeline into Northern California. Uh, Nagata has awesome film, uh, a, a big wide, outside wide receiver that, like you said, will continue that WRU tradition. Yeah, they're WRU,
0: for sure. I think when you're talking about recruiting and developing NFL players, they're, they're WRU. I don't, I don't know who else, you know, maybe Alabama can make a sort of a. Uh, a case for that, but they haven't put as many in the NFL that have been successful.
1: Right. Yeah, he he's an awesome player, I think, um, you know, as you, as you see him more through the senior year, and he's a kid who I hope shows up at an All-Star game somewhere, because I think he could be really special.
0: And then RBU, at least uh, when it comes to recruiting over the last few years, is Georgia, getting John Emery going into Louisiana, pulling him out of there over LSU is yeah. extremely impressive my first prediction wrong uh in the history of my career Uh, actually we we got the forecast model now that we're going to be releasing soon but uh i went in there so proudly and i picked lsu and i'm like this is a no-brainer this kid's going to stay home and then georgia did it again just you know it's not just in-state kids they can go pennsylvania uh they can go to north carolina they can go to florida they can go to louisiana and get running backs
1: yeah, and that's trouble because Alabama <clears throat> can go in there and and you know get some top players and stuff. But if Georgia starts doing that, that's even more problematic for LSU, um, especially for LSU, which doesn't have necessarily the, the next big time running back. You know that Fournette and Geis are gone. Um, you know they're going to go to Nick Brissett and uh, you know some other guys that are kind of emerging. So Emory had an opportunity to go to LSU and really. Stake his claim there early in his career, and instead he's going to Georgia, which is uh, loaded at running back. And they
0: lost out on Etienne, who went to Clemson, who I think could have been now, a big time uh, running back at
1: L. Uh, now, if you're John Emery, though, what, what are you thinking, Mike? I mean, you have uh, DeAndre Swift there now, Holyfield there now, James, James uh, Cook is coming in, and Zamir White is there. So, right. you know.
0: You're thinking you're better than all of them, and that's what most of these kids yeah. think. And again, it's a commitment. I mean, it's a verbal commitment. It means nothing. Right. He could flip elsewhere. Who knows? You know, but I think it speaks poorly of Ed Orgeron and the recruiting there. Um, You know, not just this one. You know, they're doing okay recruiting-wise, but every in-state kid should pretty much, that they target, should pretty much go to LSU. I mean, they've got the best home field recruiting advantage in all of college football, and you know, like you said, they lose some to Alabama. That's acceptable because Alabama wins national championships every other year. But, yeah. you know, to lose one to Georgia, that's a tough one. Uh, Georgia also getting Ryan Davis, linebacker from Florida. Um, Trouble. Trouble Davis. Now, he's, he's a rangy kid and quick twitch kid. Uh, we saw him at the five-star challenge. He's going to be all over the field for them. Um, I think he's an outside, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if he ended up playing uh, inside or outside. And then Micah Pittman going to Oregon. That's another West Coast one for you. That's a big one. Oregon's kicking butt in recruiting. They yeah. Really
1: are. Yeah, they are. And Micah Pittman, grew, uh, his father, Michael Pittman, played for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had grown up a kind of a Gators fan, you know, went back there and kind of got emotional at his old elementary school. Florida was a big-time player. He loved Dan Mullen's offense, all those kinds of things. But mario cristobal and those that staff of assistants are incredibly aggressive they get the kids on campus and love them up a whole lot obviously the facilities and everything there are you know top of the line and uh you know they have the best class in the in the conference by far i think they're a thousand points ahead of any other school in terms of points for for the class uh they have the the highest star average by far they're they are kicking major butt and uh They still have some room they only have 17 commits and they so they still have some room to really close out this class in a big way getting brian addison uh, we haven't talked about him uh ucla and he had a little bit of an academic roadblock a test score issue so oregon jumped on that and got him up there and he could be a guy that can go either way and and play there as well so i think they're doing a phenomenal job yeah i didn't
0: count him in my list of commitments because he's a kid who signed with one school and then decided to sign with another school after some academic hiccups but he's a big get them as well you know, I, I, he counts towards last year's class, uh, won't count towards 2019, but again, that's another big get. And Cristobal, you know, listen, he has a great reputation as a recruiter. He did his work not only at you know, places like uh, Alabama and Miami, but I remember when he was up at Rutgers, you know, he was yeah. a very good recruiter in Florida for them under Greg Sciano. So the guy knows what he's doing. He can, he can get things done. 2020, a lot of 2020s other than Bryce Young. Uh, Des Moines Kennedy going to Auburn, a uh, very elite linebacker, uh, nearly a top 100 guy in the 2020 class, known for b- being a quick uh, to the football type of guy, he's going add to add to their team speed. Brian Robinson, 6'2", 175 pound receiver going to Miami, uh, another 2020 grab there. Sergio Allen, uh, linebacker, big rangy kid going to Clemson, who's going to just grow and grow. Uh, get bigger and bigger. So Clemson making my list of top commitments for the past week three times. Other notable teams um, because they got Levante Bentley as well. He was the third one. West Virginia getting Isaiah Hazel from um, Maryland is important. Um, You know that's an important recruiting territory for them since they don't really have a home recruiting territory. Uh, Jonathan Dennis going to Miami. Shaheen Battle going to NC State. NC State is really Doing a very very good job. Arkansas also adding um, a lot of talent recently. I think they got three four-star commitments um, if I look correctly uh, recently. So there's some teams like NC State and Arkansas. Missouri got a uh, Njoku, uh, the brother, yeah. um, which was interesting. You know that was that was a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, not that he would choose Missouri. I mean, Missouri is a, a great program, but uh, you know, you would think that Miami would make him a priority and, and try to get him down there. So, a lot of, lot of big time commitments. Warren Burrell to Tennessee, Jeffrey Carter to Texas A&M, two elite defensive backs. Colorado got a good running back and Jaron Mangum. I mean, it just, it just didn't stop. Last week was ridiculous. We get these commitment alerts, you know, uh, through email, uh, you know, internally. And the thing was going off every two seconds. It was just it
1: unbelievable. Was, it was to the point where you uh, hardly were looking at them. It was it was so crazy. But let's talk NC State really quickly, Mike. Third in the ACC. Better class right now than Miami. More four-star commitments than Virginia Tech. Um, doing a phenomenal job with this class and uh, very impressive.
0: Yeah, and you know what? They had a good season last year, and it sort of, you know it sort of fell apart a little bit at the end of the year, but I think they got a lot of momentum from that season. They're number 16 in the country overall, and what they're doing is what NC State coaches have not been able to do, and that's keep kids in state. They're top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, their top nine commitments ranked uh, are from the state of North Carolina. So, that tells you that they're doing a very good job selling to kids, um, you know, exactly what they want in state. UNC, you'd think, is a sleeping giant, of course, of the ACC, college football and all this other stuff. They're coming off such a horrible year that it's extremely important for NC State to take advantage of this. And when you look at the top 10 recruits in the state of North Carolina, you got undecided, you got Sam Howell going to Florida State. Then you got NC State, NC State, Undecided, Notre Dame, NC State, Duke, NC State, West Virginia. You never see five out of ten guys going to NC State from the state of North Carolina. It's been known as a state where people come in and poach and steal. So they're not allowing that to happen. We'll see how the season goes. They've got a terrific quarterback we're going to talk about in a little bit as well when we talk about NFL draft guys. But if they have a good season, I think this could be their best class in a very long time
1: and then really quickly on arkansas mike i mean chad morris really leveraging his contacts in texas gets a four-star linebacker out of there goes into oklahoma for a four-star defensive end uh goes into florida for a four-star defensive end all in the last couple days all in the last week so very impressive there um and right now has a better class than florida which is honestly you have to say is disappointing right
0: yeah i mean florida is a lot of people, a lot of Gators fans aren't happy with what is going on there early. I, I don't panic, I don't worry, because they've got a good coach who develops players, but you know, you would think Florida would be recruiting at a little bit higher level, and what I like about this class, you know, the, the 14 commitments, you've got an average star ranking of 3.36. That's That's a very healthy average star rating, and guess what Florida's average star rating is? It's 3.36 as well. It's... It's not that they've got more commitments and that's the reason they're so far ahead of them, because the quality of commitments is the same. So Arkansas getting it done. Now, I still don't know if he's the guy that can get it done on the field. I still don't know if Arkansas will ever break through in that division. But it's certainly good to see, especially for, for Arkansas fans, that the recruiting has taken a step up. And when you look at the programs in the country, you know, Alabama, number one, is expected, Georgia, number three, Clemson, number four. You know a few of the programs that have stepped up their recruiting, uh, Texas A&M under a new coach in Jimbo Fisher, Oregon under a new coach in Mario Cristobal. Um, you know y- you've got some programs like Arkansas as well. Old Miss is 13th in the country um, with a you know sort of a new coach, even though he's already there. Um, you see in a lot of programs step up. Uh, Mississippi State number 20 in the country. So. <laughs> I think the new blood that we're getting from all the coaching changes we saw last year is really sort of shifting the recruiting landscape a bit.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Arkansas is doing a tricky and difficult thing. They're going from as big as you can get, run it up the middle, ball control, to spread them out and be as fast as humanly possible, and that doesn't transition very easily. You have to. It takes a few years for Chad Morris to put that system in. They open against Eastern Illinois, Colorado State, and North Texas. The Razorbacks are going to be three and zero going to Auburn on September 22nd, and if you want to make a lot of money, anything under 21 points, go, go bet the world on Auburn that day. you think the
0: line's going to be 21 points?
1: Uh, Arkansas at Auburn, September 22nd. Auburn could be one of the best teams in the country, a lot. and Arkansas. I don't care. See, see, see. You take Arkansas. I'll bet you. A, a yeah, two well, bucks. if they
0: gave me three touchdowns, that's a lot.
1: That's gonna be a that's gonna be a forty-two-ten kind of game.
0: So you think Arkansas is gonna get absolutely thumped by Auburn?
1: Yeah, September twenty-second. Right. That's when that's Gordy's when real football starts. Getting ready for
0: California to legalize gambling. Clearly, uh, <laughs> haven't done it yet, but when they do, he's gonna be poor as can be.
1: What do you live? Uh, Ten miles from Foxwoods?
0: No, a well, lot further than that. I'm closer to no. the new one, the MGM that they're building up at Springfield, Massachusetts. They're building an absolutely huge one up there, but again, it's not all, you know, they don't have sports book unless it's, I don't know how it all works. Well,
1: the problem is, is I've researched this for friends and uh, the, the, the license is $10 million. So a lot of the casinos are saying they're going to wait until, uh, until the licensing fees go way down because no casinos are getting them right now. So. Uh, you know, the state, obviously, the, the swamp, wants all their money. Uh, and then there's a 35% charge on every, every ticket booked or something like that. It's crazy fees. So we have to drain the swamp first, and then we'll be fine, and we'll be able to have freedom in this country.
0: I don't even know what drain the swamp means.
1: <laughs> don't, don't you watch our president? No. I
0: don't, watch, I don't <laughs> watch anything that he does. I don't watch Twitter. I don't watch the news. I'm completely oblivious to anything that's going on. Apparently there's some fires out there in in Northern California, and there's some fires in Arizona or Nevada or something. I don't know anything. I I sit in my little office with my figurines and my helmets, and I just write crap all day that people hate. Uh,
1: You're better off than me then.
0: (laughs) And I look out my little window, and every once in a while someone walks by walking a dog, (laughs) or UPS shows up to drop something off. That's pretty much my whole life, so I don't really know what drain the swamp means, but uh, it sounds actually horrible. Uh,
1: it's everybody in Washington D.C. needs to be taken out of their jobs and replaced by people who are like Trump. You have to drain the swamp, Mike. All
0: right. Well, let's segue from commitments and draining the swamp to Adam Gorney's fantasy football content. There's college fantasy football on Yahoo. Uh, I wish I knew the URL you could go to sign up, but I do know this, you can go to Rivals.com and you can find his College, college Fantasy Football content uh, one of our channels down there. Just scroll down a little bit below my gorgeous face, you'll see College Fantasy Football. You click on one of his amazing articles and it says sign up here for free and oh, yeah. pick your teams. Now, I'm going through your five risky picks. First of all, I don't think anybody on earth is going to pick Jalen Hurd as a wide receiver at Baylor, so that's, that's risky. You have to be somewhat demented, or perhaps binge drinking, <laughs> to put him on your team. But, but let's, let's move to your next one. JT Daniels, that's a good one, because that is risk-reward. I mean, man, if he starts, he could put up some crazy numbers. We see how talented he is, and He's mentioned all that talent around him. Um, but he's risky because he's a true freshman. So yeah. what do you do? Um, Kelly Bryan is another one, too. I mean, Trevor Lawrence pushing him. It's like you could see a two-quarterback system there. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Shea Patterson is probably the one that intrigues me the most because I don't even know if Keller Christ is going to win the job at Tennessee. Um, Patterson, we all know, is going to be the guy at Michigan, but we all know that offense kind of stinks. Um, it's kind of conservative. So is he going to be able to put up big numbers there or not? Uh, will he throw a lot of picks? You know, because he did have a little bit of a penchant for doing that at Ole Miss. I think he's a risky pick. Um, I wouldn't touch him, honestly.
1: Yeah, the tricky thing with trying to figure out college fantasy football content is you're not just talking about the best players or even the best defenses, really. You're More than anything, even more than in the, in the, than in the NFL, it's all about scheduling it really is like okay shea patterson can put up four touchdowns against san diego state you know they're a terrible football team dave Barry. but um you know if the ohio state weekend the michigan state weekend wisconsin penn state uh, you know and this is an offense that we don't know what we're gonna see um they brought in jim McElwain as some sort of hope but he didn't exactly run offense all that well at florida donovan people's jones former five star who's phenomenal had no receiving touchdowns last year i think he had 220 receiving yards uh Tariq black is back donovan peoples jones is back their, their leading receiver last year was a tight end uh, but they have karan higdon back so you don't really know what you're gonna see from them and shea patterson's numbers at ole miss for some games were really good a lot of other times not very good at all uh He does throw interceptions which i think will make jim harbaugh upset very quickly and might look to go to brandon peters quickly who knows what we're going to get from shea patterson at michigan if he's let loose and can kind of do whatever he wants to do and run around and make plays that's shea patterson i I don't know if if harbaugh is going to let him do any of that
0: yeah we'll see i mean it's a lot of people expect big things from shea patterson they think he's worth two wins alone and all this other stuff and Listen, I think he's a talented kid for sure, but he's got to be put in the right position. So, Gorney also did a list of freshmen to consider drafting. I first thought this was a list of five freshmen, and then I kept scrolling, and then I thought it was a list of ten freshmen. (laughs) But Adam Gorney did every goddamn freshman in the country. Um, I mean, this list goes on and on and on and on. And I'm like, wow, okay. That was a heck of a list there. So, I think the one guy that I really look – two guys that, I mean, Trevor Lawrence we've talked about ad nauseum. We don't need to really talk about him um, a ton. You know, Justin Fields, if he does play, he's not going to put up big numbers because he's going to be part of a platoon system or put in special packages. I think the two guys that intrigued me the most were Lorenzo Lingard, who is going to Miami, who I think is going to be an absolute star there. Um, And Adrian Martinez in Nebraska. I think he's going to put up some big numbers. I I really think he's a great fit for what Scott Frost wants to do. There's talent there. Stanley Morgan is one of the top wide receivers in the country. There's other guys that he can throw to. Um, You know, they've got a big rebuilding job, but I think Martinez, as a freshman, now again, we're talking about freshmen. I'm not saying draft Adrian Martinez, but if you're in a keeper league, and they do offer keeper leagues in fantasy football on Yahoo, Adrian Martinez might be a guy you want to pick up.
1: Yeah, and this is <laughs> this is two two things. One, a sign that I have absolutely no life, and put together a list of twenty five freshmen to, to to draft. But this is mainly for keeper leagues. If you want to take, you know, Mark Pope, if you believe Justin Rogers, who probably red shirts this year, down the road is going to be a start at TCU. Take him because he's going to be good. Justin Ross, I think, could see the field early at Clemson. That'll be an interesting one to see. But Adrian Martinez the feeling out of the people I talked to, which is Nate Klaus at Nebraska and Sean Callahan and those guys, is that he kind of leads for that for that starting job over Tristan Jebbia. Uh, I can definitely see it. Martinez is more athletic. Um, he might have a better arm. Um, he might be exactly what Scott Frost is looking for, uh, kind of a Mackenzie Milton type, uh, but probably a little bit more talented um, in terms of playing in the Big Ten. And so I think he's going to be a perfect fit, and they're going to i think put up points uh stanley morgan is back they're gonna figure out their running game they have some options at wide receiver so um morgan had huge numbers at nebraska last year in an offense where neither mike nor i were all that thrilled with tanner lee as a quarterback uh having having much skill at all and uh and so if you can get him the ball a lot scott frost knows how to run an offense if you can get him the ball a lot morgan's gonna put up big yards and Martinez is probably going to be the guy that uh, that delivers it.
0: And you got five potential busts here. I'm going to disagree with you on one of them in a big way. Jake Browning. I think he bounces back. Now, did I put Jake Browning on our top five quarterback list for the NFL? No, uh, which we're going to talk about very soon. But I think there's enough talent there. Um, I don't know. I just think he's going to put up numbers that are much closer to two years ago than he did this past season. I know he had a down year, um, you know, but freshman Marcus Spiker is one of those guys I think is just gonna catch fire immediately. Uh, yeah. You got Chico McLatcher there, you got Hunter Bryant. There's talent there. Um, and Gaskin catches the ball out of the backfield too. So I think, you know, he's gonna be put in a better position. Peterson's too good a coach to have him um, sort of lag a little bit. The other one's Travis Homer I can see you know, dropping off, especially if Lingard takes some some carries away from him, or, or is as good as I expect him to be? Josh Jackson, I could see taking a step back. Jacquez Patrick is obviously sort of an afterthought with Cam Akers emerging. And then Donovan Peoples-Jones, because will they utilize him in the offense? But I think Browning's going to have a good year.
1: Well, the first, I think Chris Peterson's phenomenal coach. Um, but here's my thinking on Browning two years ago he throws for 34 30 and 43 touchdowns last year he had 19 touchdowns so even if he gets 10 of those back he's only at 29 um, which is solid but not an incredible year hunter bryant's going to be out with a knee injury early on marquis spikers new chico McClatcher is is about five six so how much can you count on him uh he put up 19 touchdowns last year with dante pettis on the field and now he's in the nfl and they're going to lean on Miles Gaskin. I think if you go anywhere in fantasy on Was- in Washington's offense, go Miles Gaskin first. Jake Browning down the road. I think that I just think that there are a lot better quarterbacks, um, you know, especially in the in the Pac-12 that you can go. Um, they start with Auburn, they go to Utah, and that's in the first three weeks. So, how much early on is Jake Browning going to put up? Maybe later on when they go to BYU, at UCLA, Colorado. You know, Oregon State, Washington State late in the year, but uh, early on, I wouldn't take Jake Browning against Auburn or at Utah. We'll
0: see. We'll see how he does. And again, this is game to game. So, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, you and I are talking about don't start him week one, don't start right. him week two. You know, I'm talking about his entire season. So we'll see how it shakes out. I just see a bounce back year from him. But again, maybe he'll falter. But the, you got a four star. A three star, a four star, a five star, and a five star, and you're saying they all
1: suck. (laughs) See, that's the weird thing about fantasy is it it, none of them suck. They're all very, very good players and very nice gentlemen. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd have lunch with them anytime. But uh, you know, it's all about who you're playing. Do do you want to start Washington's quarterback against Auburn's defensive front? I don't. I'm not so sure.
0: Well, there are other. uh, There's probably better starts out there. You know, and again, that's a good way to segue into the quarterbacks. Um, you know, that if we put out the list of quarterbacks, top five quarterbacks going into the season. It's on the front page of Rivals.com today, today being Monday. Uh, this podcast will be running uh, today and, and we'll be promoting it throughout the week. But we're going through each position. So today we're looking at the quarterbacks tomorrow. Uh, On Tuesday, we'll look at the running backs. On Wednesday, we'll look at the wide receivers and the tight ends. On Thursday, we'll look at the offensive linemen. And, you know, it's an interesting quarterback class because it's not as good as last year. It's not as, you know, hyped. But I think there's a couple guys that are sure first-rounders. I think Stidham, if he takes the next step forward, is a sure first-rounder. He's our number one guy. It was tempting to put Drew Locke at number two. I mean, at number one as well, because he put up such great numbers last year. He's a six foot four kid. He's two hundred twenty five pounds now. Um, he sees the field very well. He's accurate. Um, then it gets a little iffy after that because there's question marks about Justin Herbert. Um, you know, he didn't put up great numbers last year. He's got very good mobility for a big quarterback. I mean, this is a six foot six kid. Um, He completed 67% of his passes last year, Um, didn't throw a lot of interceptions, but still didn't light up the world, and he's going to take a big next step. Shea Patterson the same way, Uh, and then Ryan Finley, Um, you know, last year threw for 3,500 yards but only 17 touchdowns, Um, but he did rush for three and he's another big kid who can move around. So, quarterback class, very interesting, much different than last year when you had, uh, I don't know. Was Rosen and Darnold. Who the heck else am I missing that was way up at the top? Baker, round? Mayfield,
1: Lamar, Jackson. Baker didn't
0: start at the top. And remember, nobody thought Lamar would be a first-rounder. I thought there was somebody else that was super hyped up there. I'm trying to mm. think of who it was, but I will draw blank because the 2018 draft class is out of my head entirely at this point in time. Yeah. So, how,
1: how about this, Mike? Three of the top five guys, transfers.
0: Yeah, not a not a big surprise to me. You know, I mean, that this is the way the world is is working. And when you look at our profiles on him, you see Jared Stidham and it shows signed Baylor 2014. And you're going to be looking like, what the heck? Why is he listed at Baylor? But he's a guy who got out of that Baylor situation, transferred to a Juco, didn't play at all. Big famous debate about why we didn't rank him at all. Well, he didn't play football for a full year. So he was technically a transfer. Uh, not a Juco transfer um, so he's he's showing Baylor you know drew Locke has obviously been starting at, at, at Missouri since his freshman year um, Herbert's at Oregon but then you know Shea Patterson old Miss another getting out of another bad situation uh, with NCAA yeah. implications and then Ryan Finley just too good for Boise State I guess I don't know I don't know you, you, he redshirted and he played a couple seasons, he got hurt, um, then he transferred to NC State, and now he's he's a superstar.
1: You think if Boise State and NC State played ten times, that NC State would win more than half of those games?
0: No, I think Boise State would probably beat them <laughs> six or seven times
1: out of ten, probably. Yeah, probably too. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. And two, two of them left programs, obviously, scandal-ridden uh, transfers, so not just guys that weren't playing or whatever, but... Uh, just interesting that you know we always put the 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 mark on guys that transfer and they're always a concern and all this stuff but three of these three of the five are are guys that have transferred into a new school yeah
0: none of them are a concern really at all you know you don't worry about it it's not a Blake Barnett situation where it's like yeah just please pick a freaking school and stick with your decision for once in your life I mean when you see a quarterback doing that you have to wonder about the decision-making process and where his head's at and all that other stuff. But with these guys, I mean, two of them got out of bad situations and the other one upgraded his situation, at least upgraded where he's playing an ACC schedule and he's playing in the Power Five. So, hes you know, scouts look at that uh, stuff very closely. So the running backs, this was a tough one too because, I mean, number one was difficult to figure out for me.
1: Yeah, I don't have that list up, so run down the file. Well,
0: I don't have it up either, so um, it's a bit of a problem. No, I, I, it was Damian Harris I chose as number one, um, and I'm I'm actually going to work on that today. So so Damian, oh, here we go. Damian I Harris it. was number yeah. one, and Bryce Love was number two, and I was like trying to figure out, okay, which one of these guys should be one and two, because um, there's a big drop Bryce Love today. should be one. Ah, I, Damian Harris... I don't know. I, last year he had a lot of speed. I know Najee Harris is coming. I know he's going to get his carries. If you're talking about stats, Bryce Love's going to put up better stats if he stays healthy. I mean the guy ran for 2,100 yards last year, but he also had double the attempts of Damian yeah. Harris, and Damian Harris still ended up with with over a thousand yards. So. I think Damian Harris is continuing to add speed. The one thing he added last year was breakaway speed that he didn't have the year before. Decides to come back, get faster. Um, He's going to be a Heisman candidate at, at Alabama, and I think he's got that build. That's the difference between the two of them for me. Damian Harris has that build, that squat, Mark Ingram type of build that I think the NFL likes where he's got so much power in his lower body, whereas Bryce Love is not quite has put together and uh i think bryce could get hurt this year if he has to carry the load like that i read your article about how they're not going to worry about stats for him and all that stuff but he's still going to get a ton of carries and we'll see if he can hold up after him he, um was uh rodney anderson what did i call him uh
1: what did you call him i don't know
0: wasn't i uh, didn't I call him by the wrong name
1: Oh, you called him Ryan Anderson, the Alabama, the Alabama linebacker. linebacker. Yeah, it just shows you how senile
0: I'm becoming. So, Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma um, had some ridiculous games last year. Second in the Big Ten, uh, Big Twelve in rushing. Uh, Benny Snell was not high on anybody else's board. I was just like shocked.
1: Yeah, I like this pick. It's yeah.
0: crazy. I'm like, what are you guys missing? Kid rushed for 1,300 yards, 19 touchdowns. He averaged over 100 yards a game. He is third only to Carry on Johnson and Nick Chubb in rushing. Yeah, yards. so he's
1: the returning he's the leading returning rusher, yeah. touchdown rusher in the in the SEC. And I
0: can tell you he runs angry. He's a very angry yeah. runner. He reminds me of Darius Geis, where first contact he's gonna shake you off. And he's gonna be very difficult to tackle. He's got a chip on his shoulder, he still has a chip on his shoulder, he still complains and and, and and moans about the fact that he was a three-star coming out of high school. The kid is angry. He wants to rush for 2,000 yards this season. I don't think he can do that, but I think he can put up big, big numbers. And I think he's a guy who, if he runs in that 4-5 range, uh, the NFL is going to like quite a bit. So I was just stunned just, just you know, looking out there um, and talking to scouts and, and things like that. It's like these, number, these, these running backs kept coming up. You know Damian Harris, yeah. and Bryce Love, and and Rodney Anderson and Miles Gaskin, and no Benny Snell anywhere. I didn't hear his name once. Uh, but we put him yeah. fourth here, and Miles Gaskin
1: fifth. With Bryce Love, I think they're gonna do. I think they're gonna handle Bryce Love a lot like uh, Christian McCaffrey, his junior or his sophomore to junior year. Uh, his his numbers pl- plummeted almost. His his carries plummeted. They're gonna use him as a decoy a lot more and. They're not going to worry about stats as much. But um, Bryce Love, every game last year, 100 yards at least. He had 10 games where he rushed for more than 30 yards a carry, or he had a carry of more than 30 yards in 10 games, I think. So breakaway speed is there. Um, I think he's going to get a lot of Christian McCaffrey comparisons, and I think the Panthers are going to use McCaffrey a whole lot this year in his second year. So um, I would have Bryce Love number one on this list. I love Snell. Um, Kentucky's not exactly a quarterback or wide receiver center this year. They're not going to have much of any of that, so I think they're going to rely on Snell so much more. I think Gaskin will continue to put up big yards. Anderson obviously will. And then it's going to be interesting to see how Nick Saban handles the running backs at Alabama. uh, Damian Harris led the team in rushing with 1,000 yards right on the nose, but Jalen Hurts had the most carries on the team last year, believe it or not, like 20 more than... Damian Harris and then I think Najee Harris will take that Bo Scarborough role but probably even more prominent it'll be interesting to see how they handle that because Najee Harris has a year after Damian Harris leaves we'll see who becomes the feature back in that offense I still think Damian Harris will get the carries but I think Najee Harris probably splits or is just around the number that Damian Harris gets
0: and this is what a degenerate I am I just got an email from a friend of mine about the MGN that's opening August 24th in 2018. So the grand opening is August 24th, and they are going to get a sports bar, uh, book.
1: Really? Yeah. That's interesting. My life's
0: over. Yeah. That's over. Um, moving on to the wide receivers, I really like the top <laughs> two guys uh, in this on this list. I mean, I think A.J. Brown is absolutely special. I think he could be a top 5, 10 pick Um You know, in that Julio Jones, A.J. Green type of thing. Um, Nikhil Harry, I like a lot as well. I think there's a little bit of a drop-off, even though South Carolina fans will tell you Debo Samuel is the greatest wide receiver to ever lace up cleats. Um, We've got him third. Marquise Hollywood-Brown from Oklahoma, slot receiver. I think he's going to run real well at the Combine. He might drop on this list, though, because size is an issue. I just think he's going to have a crazy year. Statistically, in that offense. And then Stanley Morgan Jr., we mentioned already for Nebraska, uh, some of the best ball skills you're ever going to see.
1: Yeah, I, I like this list a lot. And it's uh, it's funny to think Ole Miss could have probably two, maybe top five picks in Greg Little and, and A.J. Brown. Um, that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I love A.J. Brown. I think he's fantastic. and what he, And what he has going for him is Demarcus Lodge and D.K. Metcalf and Dawson Knox at tight end. There's going to be a lot of options where they're not going to be able to fixate on just stopping A.J. Brown, so I think he's going to catch a lot of passes, and I think Lodge and Metcalf could have big breakout years. If you read my fantasy football content, I mentioned that. Yeah, here, but, I, missed that, uh, I missed that one. <laughs> uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Herm Edwards runs offense. Uh, I don't think anybody knows anything of what's going to happen there, but getting him and Kyle Williams the ball will be will be big for them. And then Debo Samuel coming back. The offense at South Carolina has not been very good under Will Muschamp. I think they were 12th in the SEC last year. And, you know, with Jake Bentley at quarterback, I think Debo Samuel can have a big year, although I don't think he's anywhere near the best wide receiver ever to lace up cleats. Um, so that's an interesting list. But even more importantly, Mike, this MGM in Springfield, $960 million resort. That's like a billion-dollar resort. Yeah.
0: There's a whole big battle. They're, they're redoing the entire highway. The entire highway of, uh, you live here, I mean it's 91 north and south, they're redoing the entire highway. They've been redoing it for like six months now to accommodate six lanes or something because of all the traffic. Because they think
1: traffic to the casino? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now where I live in East Windsor, Connecticut, they're putting a little satellite casino. So I will technically be literally seven minutes from a casino.
1: Now, can you do anything you want at that casino, at the big casino?
0: To a yeah, scaled-down version, obviously they're not going to have the, the big concerts and, you yeah. know, the, the, I don't, but they'll have all the all the gambling. Uh, once Connecticut legalizes gambling, they'll have a sports book there and all that stuff and, you know, horse racing and dog racing and all that stuff. I could be moving from my office and staring out the window to being one of those absolute degenerates that smells like, moldy cheese and death who just sits in the horse racing room for five straight days that could be me
1: i'll tell you the rooms at this place look phenomenal wow this place is nice
0: there was a big battle as to who was going to get it there was a battle of eastern massachusetts wanted it i think the worcester area wanted it there was a bidding war lots of shady dealings i'm sure um and springfield won it out and springfield's kind of a dump not a it's not a good city but this thing's gonna yeah i was there that's up. where
1: the call that's where the basketball hall of fame is right it is
0: that area of, the, of springfield is nice but the rest of it's an absolute dump and, and that's where they're going to put yeah, it I put have, it right off the highway
1: i have to admit i wasn't impressed with springfield when i drove through it. no
0: it's it's a dump but with this casino it's going to change everything so the tight ends i like noah fant i like a lot i think caleb wilson's okay caden smith's okay but i like noah fant a lot um I don't think it's as good a tight end class as it was last year, but um, and I'm not sure any of these guys are first-rounders. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And then the offensive linemen, we went Greg Little, Jonah Williams, Trey Adams, and that was tough. Um, those three guys, I mean, you could, you could order those any way you want, honestly, because all three of them, I think, are first-rounders. All three of them, I think, are potential top 18, 20 picks in the draft. Yeah. And again, it's so early, but why not do this? Uh, and then David Edwards and Mitch Hyatt after that. So, you know, we've got that draft stuff coming. And we're like the, the first, right? I, I haven't seen anybody else put out lists.
1: First to market. That's the important first thing, isn't it? First to
0: market. It oh, wait, doesn't matter if you're right or wrong, as long as you're first. That was the, one of the first things I ever learned. And uh, I didn't go to journalism school, actually. I went for management. And as you can tell by my managing style,
1: incredible. I really
0: paid off, honestly yeah I th- absolutely I think we're done what's that 49 minutes that's pretty good
1: I'm spent I
2: know yeah, that yeah
0: I'm tired I need, I need a nap
1: <laughs> <laughs> alright
2: Dave, well.
0: Dave's like half asleep
2: yeah <laughs> I'm just waking up from my nap alright <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> right, well let's get out of here uh, let's remind everybody you can give us a uh, review on iTunes that helps us out a lot So, what do we have we can, one of those so far yeah like three come on and And
1: it's from fike merrill
0: (laughs) (laughs) even if we suck just leave us a review to say we suck
2: yeah something let us know you're still listening at this point of the podcast
0: i mean my god this is our 50th episode (laughs) and our our listeners ship is going down
2: (laughs) that's all right Uh, peaks and valleys well
0: we've got ourselves a new strategy moving forward So now we're gonna. Did you say
2: strategy?
0: I said strategy. We're gonna pump some numbers with the new strategy. That's 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 not the way you say.
2: (laughs) All right, we'll we will see everybody again next week.